to take Valium or opium to know how it feels to leave you. And I don't need no cocaine highs or Spanish flies to need you. No DMT, THC, LSD to blow my mind. Heroin, mescaline or methadrine to lose the time. Anyway, drugs tend to diminish my body. And it seems so far away in my mind. And if my variant form to yours is the door through which our concentric souls meet, then I don't want to miss a beat. I want my ephemeral body, corporeal mind, ethereal soul synthesized and very finely attuned to you in the other side of paradise. And I don't need no blindfolds, whips, boots, or rubber suits. A schoolgirl's uniform, black seam stockings, or handcuffs locking to turn you on. Anyway, fantasy only aborts reality. Forcing one to live within a distortion. Skin, soul to soul, belly touching, straight as great. Cause I don't need the pain or the hate to feel intensely. And I don't need to be dominated, degraded, flagellated. And I don't need to be extorted, exalted, or supported. Complicated, contemplated, tolerated, or liberated. But I do need to be penetrated, elevated, and appreciated. And I need to embrace my inescapable feminineness tacitly, like all the animals, natural and free, totally succumb to the eroticness of the intuitive. Risk. Life's hopeful between the thighs, and all difference falls, falls in the face of uncontrolled cries. Voglio solo una perla da coltivare. Non voglio casi di seda nera. Nemanete che ricciaio per recitarti. Non voglio maschere né fruste né stivale a sera. Né vestiti di goma per riscaldarti. Ma solo toccami e prendimi questo fiore amore. You are listening to Astral Projection Radio Hour on BFF.fm. Best Frequencies Forever. I'm She-Wolf. And I'm Beatrix Gravesguard. We'll be casting witchy vibes and sonic spells until 6pm. So gather around, 
light a candle, and levitate with us. You just heard Annette Peacock with The Succubus. Before that was Alice Coltrane with Paramahansa Lake. Starting off our show today was Monopoly with Night Garden. And we are fresh out of a new moon in Libra, which was over the weekend. How did, how did that feel for you? You know, I'm still I'm still figuring that out. I'm not <laughs> sure. <laughs> I feel like I have a little bit of amnesia. Mm, yeah, you've been like flitting all, I've been all, over the, all over the state. Yeah, I wanted to read this thing. Uh, it's an excerpt from Chani Nicholas's mm. recent uh, set of horoscopes around new moon and Libra. And she writes that the new moon in Libra is, quote, an affirmation, an invitation, and a little revelation sent to lift our spirits and remind us of what's possible under pressure. Arriving in the nick of time, this refresh occurs when life's squeeze is a little tight, its grip a little unrelenting, and its tasks mounting in importance and numbers. Tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, I heard a little gasp. <laughs> Sounds like you relate. Yeah. But we're now uh, headed into a waxing crescent in Scorpio. Uh, do you want to read from our book? You go You go ahead. I got to read so many horoscopes later, yeah. so I'll leave that up to you. This is from the Astrological Grimoire. Available at your crescent. local bookstore. <laughs> <laughs> so waxing crescent in Scorpio. There's a part of you that lives for the beginnings of things. Think of snakes that shed their skin. The newness of bumping up against the world can make you feel vulnerable, but it can also make you feel alive. How can you use your powers of regeneration to let the waters of your darkest depths run clear again? Getting unstuck can come easily to you during this time when you apply your intensity to it. You can be highly attuned to these cycles of beginnings and endings, so be deliberate with what you are laying the foundation for. Practice doing something strangely methodical, like sorting leaves by their colors. What can it teach you about how to soften your gaze so you can focus more clearly? Now is the season of leaves that can be sorted. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if anybody else is feeling this, but for some reason this changeover from summer to fall feels really abrupt for me. Yeah, I think I was um, I, I was in another dimension when there was yeah. a recent like kind of um, last of the season heat wave, right? Yeah, yeah, and then it it switched over. I think right right when I was teleporting back. But tell me tell me about the the heat wave here in the. I mean, I think I was only here for a day or so. I was down in San Luis Obispo for the last week. Um, but I just had this, I don't know, usually I'm very in tune with, like, seasons shifting, but September was maybe one of the bumpiest months on record for me. Mm. <laughs> so I just feel like I looked up one day and was like, what, what, how are we, how is it fall? Where did this summer go? Yeah. And all of a sudden summer and all the events of the summer seemed like they were a million years ago. But yeah. I, I have, but I maybe because September was like a very... Uh, before after month for me so it feels very like oh that was before and now we're in after i do feel like climate change is a lot more abrupt that maybe it's, it's also true it's like really changed 
what I associate with these different seasons uh, historically mm-hmm. here. Uh, all of these stretches of really warm weather feel um, relatively novel. Um, yeah. Like I would say the past three years. Yeah. And like California, we've always had like warm falls, mm-hmm. but yeah, like the heat waveness is odd. Yeah. And weird. I don't like it. Yeah, I feel like time has been stretched and contorted in really strange ways yeah, in, this, man. in this this era. Uh, do you have ideas about time and time perception? Oh, that's a deep question. <laughs> um, Tweet at us at Witch Radio. Yeah, yeah. I, I got to think on that one. Uh, yeah, I think we have some... Um, pieces to maybe talk about today yeah with regard to i'm definitely having you and i have discussed this before having both witnessed the total eclipse yeah uh, and how it sort of stretched time in a strange way Mm -hmm. to witness and i think i have had things like unforeseen things in the last month that came out that i had never experienced before that i that also did a similar total eclipsy like whoa time just got really weird because mm-hmm. as we get older and we are better at like predicting things right or outcomes like mm-hmm. time seems like it kind of speeds up a little bit yeah and, i think if, if, especially if you have a routine yeah and so any think, any kind of together. like new or unexpected experience then your brain starts to think of time in a strange way and and also just because of things that have happened i'm starting to think about the future in a way that I had not before mm-hmm. um, in a sort of like hourglassy way of like oh right yeah. which is probably also there I think there's also a quality of like getting older and like uh, uh, like the term shrinking horizon sounds <laughs> depressing but that there's there's like a weird turning point in which you're like oh right N- none of this is infinite um, yeah and like, what am I going to do with this time? Mm-hmm. And then time becomes something weirdly, like, weirdly concrete. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, that that concludes my current thoughts on time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have some some time news to go over today, possibly in the in the next couple hours. But uh, we're going to play some more music. You can tweet at us at which radio. We're also on Instagram at which radio. This is Lingua Ignota with May Failure Be Your Noose, and it's in all caps, and it's off of Caligula, which is like a really intense and brutal album, Mm. if you're looking for intense and brutal. (laughs) Scorpius. You're listening to Astral Projection Radio Hour on BFF.fm. Who will fuck you if I
You are listening to Astral Projection Radio Hour on BFF.fm, Best Frequencies Forever. You just heard Carla Del Forno with No Trace. Before that was Liesel, Liesel with Bloodletting. Starting off that set was Lingua Ignota with May Failure Be Your Noose. The real mood. Yeah. <laughs> October <laughs> the big has mood. arrived. The big October mood. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like October. I like the the change in the air. Yeah. It feels like it suddenly gets spooky, you know? That's true. Speaking of spooky, you know, depends on the... Uh, beholder i guess uh about a week and a half ago we had a friday the 13th which um coincided with a full moon and so love when that happens yeah it was really my teeth get extra sharp <laughs> yeah my hair gets extra feral it was a really start, hot day to start growling a little bit yeah it was a super hot day um and i remember not being aware of like the date for most of the day but also the the you know i got the spotting scope and i've been looking at the moon mm. and tracking the moon and the moon was full and was extra beautiful and spooky yeah night. i feel like i remember seeing a couple good like moonrise. i always pay attention to like moonrise time mm-hmm. yeah it was a good a good moonrise. It was like one of those moonrises where like the moon looks humongous. Yeah. You know? It just looks like a big grapefruit. Uh but Friday the thirteenth. Did you know <laughs> <laughs> that the patriarchy stole Friday the thirteenth from women and made it evil? Of course they did. As like they patriarchy. do. So before, yeah, this is a piece from uh, a few years ago from Vice uh, that says before patriarchal times, Friday the 13th was considered the day of the goddess. It was considered a day to worship the divine feminine that lives in all of us and to honor the cycles of creation and death and rebirth. And the number 13 has kind of shifted over time to being one of um evil and bad luck but uh originally it uh referred to feminine energy fridays uh are of course named after freya the norse Mm -hmm. god goddess of women and fertility 13 coincides with um the number of lunar cycles in a year um and if you remember, 2013 was declared by Pam Grossman as the year of the witch. Oh, I didn't know that was 2013. It was thir- 2013, okay. and that referred both to the 13 and the year, mm. but also it was a significant year of anniversaries for um, the feminine mystique and for Roe v. Wade. Mm, right. um, and that was kind of around the time when we started to note this resurgence and uh we we started the show a little while later yeah i guess that was early 2014 was really year year of the witch i don't i'm gonna be honest i don't pay a lot of attention to like numbers stuff or like new like even like like numerology 
Like, I've I, people try to do numerology stuff on me before, and I'm like, eh. Yeah, I I, I'm really into numbers, yeah, that and I me. I feel like I <laughs> like I. I like noticing numbers that recur a lot, you know? Yeah, I guess I, I, I guess I pay attention to things like that sometimes. Um, you know who's really into numerology? <laughs> Taylor Swift. That's a conversation for another time. Interesting. Let's get Taylor on here. I was just telling someone that, um, you know, she's, she's like a famous person, whatever. But the thing that I admire and am both envious of her the most for is that she is at a level of fame that she can put puzzles in everything she makes and people will go and solve the puzzles yeah i would like to be that famous. and i'm like i just want people to solve my puzzles yeah because i'm already doing that <laughs> i'm already putting little breadcrumbs in everything right. but like um it's just for me you know yeah. but i i like that she's just a dork i don't know there she are a lot there's a the there's dork. a lot to to criticize her for it, but um, her love of numbers and Easter eggs uh, really rings yeah. true to me <laughs> in very, my heart. Very trickstery. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah, so apparently 13 is a female number. I find that interesting and because... Sorry, Taylor Swift oh, also yes. uses the number 13 a lot. That's this why is, I led into why that. Led into yeah, that's, yeah, that's why I had that thought. Anyway, go, go for um, it. I was just saying, I think it's interesting that like 13 is considered a female number because I had synesthesia uh as a kid and probably into my teens less so now which is where you sort of like get senses confused and numbers and letters were very masculine or feminine to me Um, i've heard that a lot too and i um am also synesthetic but i don't have the gendered uh number or letter thing it's like gender and color i have color yeah Yeah. Um, i for sure associate 13 with a color yeah um but yeah, so I was like, oh yeah, 13. it's yellow. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I could it's see yellow. that. Yeah, um, yeah. Me. So thirteen is a female number. It represents the average number of a woman's cycles in a year, like menstrual cycles. Um, and I, I thought this inter- it was interesting. A woman was considered to embody divine and magical powers when she got her period. She was regarded by all for her wisdom and ability to offer intuitive and psychic messages. It was only when society became more patriarchal. That women were made to feel shamed when they were having their periods and to ignore their amazing potential to create and hold space for new life. Um, this attitude has helped contribute to the idea that Friday the 13th is an unlucky day. Really great if we all like sync to our periods to be on, on like the 13th. Also, there's this thing about um, how 13 turned with Christianity when it shows up as the number of people at the Last Supper. Oh, right. Um, and so it became one myth that's associated with it is that if you're sitting at a table with 12 other people, you're going to die soon. Oh, really? Kind of like, Whoa. <laughs> now I'm going to start counting. I mean, I don't think I even know 12 people, so I'm not that worried about it. But <laughs> <laughs> It's a big table. That's <laughs> like, have I ever done it? It's a tough check to split. Yeah, that's true. So I'm not too worried, but good to know. Did you have a significant, like, have you had any significant rituals or happenings on Friday the 13th, seeing black cats? Um, no, and to be quite honest, as a freelancer, like, I don't know what day of the week it is most (laughs) of the time, like, let alone even sometimes, like, the month. Um, people are like, oh, it's Saturday, and I'm like, that means nothing to me. Um, so, I'm not a big, like, 
not a big ritual person, to be quite honest. Like, uh, in any sense of the word. Sometimes I, like, will get into... I guess you could call it a routine, but even that doesn't really ever stick for me. I've always wished I could be somebody who's like, it's Sunday, I'm going to journal and pull a tarot card and light a candle and take a bath. But I just, I just don't have it in me, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, well, I, I feel like with all rituals, it's yeah. like you, you have them if they serve you, right? Yeah. So the people who have that ritual like that's something that they really love and sink into yeah i like i've i think only in the past couple of years have i accepted i used to be like next week i'm gonna start waking up at the same time and drink like lemon water and eat a grapefruit and like meditate every morning and then i've just accepted that like i'm just not ever gonna be that person and that's fine <laughs> if you eat a grapefruit every day it really wears out your enamel exactly i don't need that in my life no. i'm just gonna keep eating like a little bird that I am in the morning. Just peck, nibble. I don't eat anything in the morning. <laughs> yeah, a lot of times I forget. I think the one ritual I do have is is coffee. Mm, yeah, um, that makes sense. But no, I, I was more curious if you've ever kind of like had a sort of a noticing. A noticing. A with, with like. A Friday the 13th. Yeah. No, no. Whether a, it's a res like a sort of surge of. Of electricity or I don't think so but I do I do find when I'm in like sort of times of like emotional uncertainty or turmoil I'm way more paying attention to like signs yeah. and synchronicities and like you know like this lot like when we had the new moon this last week and I was like reading a ton about it and I was like man I just I feel all these things right now and all everything's adding up and all of these things are signs um and does that help or does it just like does it does it help to have the narrative around that for you it does because i think i'm somebody who by nature can doubt like the validity of my own feelings and experience mm. a lot and so to have like a sort of reinforcing narrative that's just like see, yeah. things are wobbly right now or things might suck right now mm -hmm. or you might be feeling uncertain and i'm like yes yes i am feeling all of these things and it's affirming to know that like mm -hmm. Someone else in the universe is also feeling them at the same time or has, has connected these dots. It feels like a little, you know, it's like, you know, I've been in like the sense I have recently is of being like lost in a really dark forest. And so it's mm -hmm. sort of like, here's a map. Here's like a little tiny like constellation that can sort of like walk you in a, a at least a direction. You don't know what direction it's going to be. Mm -hmm. And so I find that helpful in those kinds of times which is funny because when i'm like when things are really chill and nothing's going on like i won't read astrology for months at a time and i won't like yeah look at my tarot card you know like i don't it's like literally a north star it's like yeah you know like it's it like positions you it does because yeah. it's like when you get knocked off kilter and you're like wait where is where is the ground where is the compass like I don't remember which direction I'm supposed to walk in right now. And so, like, I think things like like those little narratives and signs, yeah. they kind of are, like, just little, like, flashes of light where, like, it's just like, okay, walk two steps this way or, like, acknowledge that this is happening. And you're like, all right, all right. Yeah, I recently read a profile of a mentalist who 
um, in the piece, like in the profile, the reporter takes them to um, a psychic mm. medium and has them interact. And they kind of do similar things, you know, mm-hmm. like cold reading yeah. and um, kind of, you know, it's like one's for entertainment and the other is maybe for more therapeutic reasons, uh-huh. maybe. And um, their conversation is really lovely, you know, how they kind of both are open to the stuff that exists beyond our physical bodies, the stuff that yeah. like, binds you and, and kind of um, connects you to all the people around you and like different uses for that. And uh, the mentalist was noting that, you know, a, after a lot of his shows, people come up to him and are like, can you, because one of his things that he does is like, I'm, I'm not using any kind of like psychic magic here I'm going to speak to your dead but like the speaking to your dead is sort of like a trick you know sure in in the context of his performance but um people will often come up to him and say like I need you to speak to my ancestor Mm. for me you can do it he's like no I'm not really doing it this is like a show that I'm putting on they're like no you're doing it and that like (laughs) um you know there's like this this kind of like need for people to believe in certain things um and of course the psychic medium kind of lives in in more in that realm of like maybe it's a performance maybe it's an actual thing that this person believes that they have the ability to do and or the person that is their client believes in it but um it doesn't really matter because it kind of forges some kind of um sense of okayness for yeah. the person that they're talking to yeah. you know and it like makes them feel seen that's and i think that's huge I, I mean i've been thinking about that a lot about just the nature of belief and like what people mm-hmm. want to believe i'm reading um uh pema shodron's when things fall apart right mm-hmm. now which is the premise is sort of like it's actually really really it's like i think it's just like the like Buddhist 101 book they give you when like shit hits the fan in life you know Um, Mm -hmm. but her sort of premise which is really great is just like so much of when like the bottom feels like it's it's dropped out is people wanting to run away and avoid suffering or pain Mm -hmm. or uncertainty at all costs Mm -hmm. and so we distract ourselves as much as we can and so her sort of premise is like but what if you just learned that this is actually the nature of life yeah. And like that you and that you just kind of have to you gotta walk through it. Yeah. Or just yeah. to to sit with like and it, it's fascinating to me, like especially just as a culture, how bad we are at that. I have a friend who's like a a child psychologist at Stanford and she once told me she has two little kids and she was saying, you know, one of the reasons you uh, see so many adults, uh, you know, it's been a shitty week. It's five o'clock. It's time to go to the bar, have a couple of drinks, let some steam off. And she's like, a lot of that. She goes, not that drinking is bad, but she's like, in this culture, we're not really ever taught as kids how to like sit with shitty feelings. So we learn from a really young age, like parents will be like, 
you know, she goes and like, she's like, look, my kid will. It depends on your parents. Well, she's like, she's like, look, she's like, look, my kids will throw tantrums because the peas are touching the mashed potatoes and they scream. And she goes and a lot of parents will be like, hey, here's a toy or hey, let's fix the plate or hey, here's a bargain. You can watch TV for 20 minutes. Or if you were my parents, you'd be like, too bad. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but she said, she said, she's like, you know, I really think about like, I'm not going to tell my kid his feelings aren't valid like yeah this is an irrational feeling but you feel bad and so she'll be like yeah you seem upset right now but you still need to eat the stuff but she's like but i try to give him the space to like have the shitty feeling Mm. and she goes but so in our culture we really don't do that we really don't ever give kids the tools to like sit with the shitty feelings Mm. we we teach ourselves how to distract from the shitty feelings and so she goes so then why do you think then as adults we don't know how to like sit with uncertainty and we don't know how to like sit with anxiety um she's like it's not our she's like it's not our fault it's just most of our we never really learned we were never given those skills as kids Mm. and i think that's really true anyways that's my so like reading this book it's like sort of like uh in a way like a (laughs) reparenting of like oh right like you don't have to distract yourself from yeah the scary stuff i would say too that I mean, I don't, I don't know if that is necessarily true from my upbringing, but what's yeah. certainly true is that um, I was not in a place to express it. Sure, yeah. So I feel like I would just feel things very privately and would not yeah. ask for anyone to feel those things with me, yeah. you know, which is its own you know sure it's its own little pathology i guess yeah um well that's why in a lot of therapy the work that a therapist does with you is to like actually reparent the kid in you that -hmm. didn't get the thing that maybe you needed but that you wanted and which is not necessarily any fault of your parents yeah which was a hard one for me to reconcile because i was like wait i'm good friends with my parents now i understand their struggles like i know as an adult i see why they did what they did and my therapist used to be like yeah but there's still a kid version of you inside of you that does not understand why they did what they did and only knows that you like felt either not seen or not heard or like not right you know and and so like a lot of the that work that gets done in therapy is like sort of revisiting that kid and being like it's all right adult me has got you you know yeah yeah and that can be especially hard too for people who are neuroatypical who have a tough time with um you know understanding what they're what they're going through or like wanting to sure. kind of control a thing yeah. that is not that they don't have a toolkit for yeah i'm just thinking to yeah my own experience of that and how it is it it's sort of yeah it's like a kind of op optimizing pain reduction on everyone's part right yeah yeah we're just sort of yeah. like yeah chill, yeah this is a lot of what i've been thinking about lately is like my own avoidance of like pain or bad like specifically like bad like bad feelings or like doubting mm-hmm. my own bad like i have a tendency to be like well i feel this way wouldn't you and people are like i don't know i'm not you but to me that says like oh i have a real problem like acknowledging like or wanting Mm -hmm. to go to or or, like i'll feel guilty for like having a bad feeling or being like 
I'm mad or I'm upset. And then my, you know, my brain's like, oh, you shouldn't. That's not a normal feeling to have, which is ridiculous because all feelings are like normal. <laughs> yeah. But it's also understandable, right? Like a bad feeling feels yeah. bad. Yeah. You're just not going to want to be You're not going to want to. Yeah. But it's usually going to be waiting for there for you when you come back. <laughs> that's what I've learned. Okay. I'm going to do some snackoscopes because my battery's running down. Okay. Uh, Libra. It's Libra season. Although you may be looking for sweet relief this week, you might feel your jaw clench a little tighter. Your hands might fall into fists at all the missed signals, misspoken words, weird misunderstandings. Rather than let it make you tense, see if you can relinquish into a radical softness. Let it move through you like ghosts, like wind. Listen to Kate Bush and eat pickles. Scorpio, this week you might feel your powers growing, might take delight in the friction and intensity that causes others to curl up into a ball. This is your gift, so see if you can't teach those around you to weather the emotional storms on their radars. You're coming out of a season of hazy unease, so take your time to find your bearings. Eat ramen and listen to Genesis. In Sagittarius, you might look up and realize you've been so intently focused that the people around you feel like ghosts, or like your familiar surroundings seem like a mirage. Conversations might feel staticky. See if you can't take the time to reconnect, to remember that you need connection like you need food, water, and light. Listen to Talking Heads. I need pineapple. And you can tweet at us at Witch Radio. We're also on Instagram at Witch Radio. Here's some more music. This is Two Little Skeletons by Minimal Man. You're listening to Astral Projection Radio Hour on BFF.fm. <laughs>
Six o'clock. It's time to get up. It's six o'clock. It's time to get up.
You're listening to Astral Projection Radio Hour on BFF.fm, Best Frequencies Forever. You just heard the passions with, oh no, it's you. Before that was Los Microwaves with Time to Get Up. Starting off that set was Minimal Man with Two Little Skeletons. We've got some vampire news since we are fully in the month of October. I even went back into the Secret Alley bathroom to retrieve my favorite book on the bookshelf, which is this 900-page vampire book, The Encyclopedia of the Undead, completely revamped edition with Kiefer Sutherland of Lost Boys on the cover. Is he, was he a vampire in a major... Uh, vampire franchise. Uh, Did you ever see Lost Boys? No. (gasps) Oh, we got to get you to see Lost. I mean, you're late to the, you know, you came late to Ghostbusters. I did. You came late to Back to the Future as well. Yeah. So Lost Boys is your next one. Lost Boys takes place in Santa Cruz. You will never see Santa Cruz the same way again. (laughs) Well, I, though I feel like uh, the movie Us was a little bit of an homage Mm. to, uh, to the creepiness that is inherent in Santa Cruz. But oh. every time I go to Santa Cruz, I'm like, it's colored by Lost Boys to me. Um, yeah, it stars Kiefer Sutherland, who was a really big actor in the 80s. Um, one of the famous Corys, Corey Heim, I think is in it. Mm. Um, yeah. And it's about a vampire gang. And there's a one of my favorite cameos of all time, the sexy sax man. Does anybody know what oh, I'm talking about? Oh, you know, about? you <laughs> mentioned this to me recently. Yeah. And you're I like, thought you meant the the meme sexy sax no, man, but you meant the a, original the sexy. Original. Okay. Is, he played, so the movie opens with like this bonfire and like show on the boardwalk and this like really oiled up shirtless muscly guy who just is like so over the top 80s sincere saxophone who went on in real life to become tina turner's like sax guy oh and they were definitely other things were happening between them too i could just tell um amazing yeah he's her he's her sax guy (laughs) well so you have just come across uh some some cultural information that was new to me, I think you new to you as well, which is that Batman is somehow tied to the Yeah, to let the me vampire. go back and look at this entry. You know, it's funny too, because like I feel like much like witches in pop culture, like vampires sort of cyclically come into fashion. Yes. And it's very generational. Like I have never seen Twilight, I never read the books. Much like Harry Potter, it's I have a little not like read Twilight or, or- or I, I've not read Twilight, but I think I have seen a movie. Yeah, yeah. but that's like a, a but for me for my for my generation, mm-hmm. um, Anne Rice interview with the vampire was like huge. oh I've seen that movie yeah I, I watched read it in college I read all the books okay. Queen of the Damned starring Aaliyah um, oh yeah love Aaliyah yeah um, anyways I'm trying to think of that. there's one other one I was thinking of oh Lost Boys is definitely like a, True Blood is a more recent. Um, yeah, that va- was vampire property. Yeah, so I'm fascinated by like our fascination with vampires. But let's look up this Batman connection because we heard that possibly Robert Pattinson is going to be the next Batman, which I had a vehement reaction to. And I don't really even care about any other Batman besides um, Michael Keaton's Batman, to be honest. Okay. Yeah. What about what about uh, 
Robert Pattinson is not Batman-y enough. He's such a wimp. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He's like the wimpiest wimp. Okay. Uh, you know, Kristen Stewart should be Batman. That's yeah, my agree. Let's just make her Batman. I did you see that tweet? That's like, can we do a reboot of Twilight with Kristen Stewart as both Bella and Edward? Yeah, I don't even like. I don't know that what that means, but I agree. Yeah. Just Kristen Stewart and everything. Yeah, she's amazing. Okay, so let's see. Then I was flipping through this afterwards. So okay, this is an entry. Like Superman, Batman is one of the most popular late twentieth century superheroes. Um, Batman created a popularized image of the bat, the development of which to some extent must be credited to Dracula, the 1897 book by Bram Stoker and its translation in the 20s and 30s to the stage in motion pictures. However, Batman was not a vampire. He was a human hero with human resources and his enemies, while often very strange, were usually human as well. So the clear association of Batman with Dracula must have been in the mind of his creators because a scant four months after his initial appearance, he encountered a vampire in a two-part story in issues number 31 and 32 of Detective Comics um, in 1939. A vampire tried to take control of Bruce Wayne's girlfriend, unaware that Wayne was Batman. Batman tracked the monk as the vampire was known to his home in Hungary, which was also the home of his allies, the werewolves. Batman eventually found the vampire and his vampire bride asleep and killed them with a silver bullet fired into the coffins. So he said a couple... Vampire encounters hmm. uh, in the comics. It's also something called Man Bat. Whoa, tell <laughs> me about Man Bat. Um, okay, let's see. Um, so I'm just imagining the opposite of God, a like, Batman, where it's like a bat dressed up as a man. Yeah. No um, it could be this guy that I showed you a picture of, <laughs> which is just like actually a really cool bat head yeah. on a man vampire yeah he kind of looks like um like a ferengi it's, from it's from the movie blood and roses okay so what i'm learning is that the comic book universe is very complicated um so batman had begun an ongoing relationship with somebody named kirk langstrom langstrom developed a serum to turn himself into man bat though not originally a vampire bat man bat would eventually encounter vampires and bring batman into the realm with him both Man-Bats and Batman's encounter with vampires were orchestrated by writer Jerry Conway, the first writer from Marvel's The Tomb of Dracula. Um, both were working for DC during the early 80s. Okay, so people were just... just some Let's get a Man-Bat movie. Va yeah, vampire influences. Now I want to look up... that. Um, now I want to look up Man-Bat. Um, yeah, so there's some, some cross crossover there. But we also have some real house vampires of New England news. Man bat looks like um, a man-sized muscly bat <laughs> wearing jeans. I don't know how I feel about a muscly. That's how I feel about. You're seeing those like pictures of really, really muscly buff kangaroos. Yeah, it's yeah, it so upsetting. Like yeah, so upsetting. It kind of looks like that. It makes me so uncomfortable. <laughs> um, they have like abs. It's yeah, just weird. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but this brings us to our topical story the real house vampires of new england and abroad and i love this because this piece comes from a smithsonian magazine so you know it's real <laughs> it's a real smithsonian.com <laughs> listicle um so this doesn't surprise i feel like a lot of creepy shit went down in new england yes. um it's just i even when i go go there like get that vibe i'm like man there's just weird weird stuff happened here um like Salem witch trials, weird 
people being possessed by demons, Puritans. Yeah, the spiritualist movement came out of there. Yeah. So a little more than a century ago, vampires stalked Rhode Island. Or rather, New England farm families were digging up dead relatives suspected of being vampires and desecrating the bodies in a misguided effort to protect the living. Often these latter-day vampire hunters removed and burned their loved ones as hearts. Um, and it likely, this is a, tr a practice that likely began in Eastern Europe and then spread to Western countries in the 1700s. So vampire panics were really common after they, through the late 1800s, apparently, particularly in Rhode Island, mm. which I've never been to. Um, and it usually began when a person died often of a contagious disease tuberculosis probably yeah and then others in the vicinity began dying too i find like the connection between like actual illness and superstitions like really interesting because they yeah. still even in the 21st century we still have them like i read Absolutely. that when like remember when all i could talk about was ebola and the hot zone mm -hmm. and there's so many superstitions uh around ebola like in in smaller more rural places I also remember um, reading about, you know, sick, people sick with tuberculosis often being buried alive on accident, oh, which terrifying. kind of, I think, adds adds to this lore of like vampires sleeping in coffins yeah um rising from the grave probably and i wonder if that's like based because that like literally happened at some point like yeah. someone that like, got buried someone while alive and then like came rattled. out and busted out of a yeah. coffin and was like yo i'm not dead but they were probably like bleeding yeah and so they're therefore like the whole notion of a vampire sprung like this like undead thing that comes out of the grave and is like I want blood. And not just that the <laughs> the bodies were not being disposed of, you yeah. know, to our current standards so you could catch contagion. Yeah. from bodies that That's weren't true. Uh, processed. Yeah, so then you're like, well, you must have been bitten by that by yeah. the vampire who wasn't totally dead and then you got sick. Yeah, so you see how these like superstitions spread. Makes me kind of think of like anti-vaxxers too. Yeah, and and how I think when you are kind of desperately in the throes of illness, you are really susceptible to wanting to, you yeah. know, take any measure. That this is that true. Yeah. So yeah. So Smithsonian Mag has a whole sort of like oral history of all these uh, people who were like dug up by their families, which is kind of gruesome. Um, I thought this one was interesting. Somebody named Frederick Ransom, a Dartmouth College student from a well-respected family in South Woodstock, Vermont, died of tuberculosis in 1817 and is an example of an educated person ensnared in a vampire panic, usually associated with misinformed farther, f farmers. His dad had his body exhumed in the hopes of saving the rest of his family, and his heart was burned in a blacksmith's forge. However, it did not prove a remedy for his mother, sister, and two brothers died afterwards. Um... Wow. There's also um, another vampire in this list whose whose tombstone reads, I am waiting and watching for you. Ooh, that's a good one. I'm stealing that yeah. for my tombstone. tombstone. <laughs> Note to self. Um, yeah, that's all my vampire news for today. <laughs> but hey, don't worry. We've got 900 pages of this vampire 
encyclopedia to There'll get through. Be one factoid per week for the whole month of October. Yeah, I think I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to just, you know, really multitask when I'm in the sacred alley bathroom. Yeah. And just yeah, I'll get, see what I can find. I'll get some werewolf um, tips, werewolf uh, factoids while you're at it. Uh, but we have another set of snackoscopes for you. Yeah, let's see. Capricorn. You might feel tired this week, like it's too long since you had any fun, like it's been all work and no play even for you. Let yourself wobble a little this week. Let some loose ends stay loose and unresolved. Things take the time to take, and this is a lesson that lends itself to letting life unravel in its own weird, sweet way. Eat pancakes, listen to the au pairs. Aquarius, give yourself permission to be even more weird this week. Sometimes it can be so tiring to have normal conversations, to pull on your human suit every morning and go to work. See if you can't tap into a frequency that comes a little more naturally to you. See if you don't notice how the sparks you admit draw in new people and ideas. Listen to Bjork and eat cake. Pisces, you might breathe a little sigh of relief this week as you feel the air start to tingle and spark with the coming cool electricity. It's a season for murky depths, for turning inward, for hunkering down. Let yourself take up some new space. Stretch your body in weird shapes. Listen to some ECM records. Think of who you want to be. Eat candy corn and listen to Dio. And you can tweet at us at Witch Radio. You can also follow us on Instagram at Witch Radio. Uh, we have another set of music for you. This is FKA Twigs and Future with Holy Terrain. You're listening to Astral Projection Radio Hour on BFF.fm. <laughs>
to Astral Projection Radio Hour on BFF.fm Best Frequencies Forever 
You just heard Sabrina Claudia with Truth Is. Before that was Oakloo with Holy Lost Arizona. And starting off that set was FKA Twigs and Future with Holy Terrain. It was also just brought to our attention that FKA Twigs, formerly partner of Batman, new Batman, future Batman, future Batman, Robert Pattinson. And also she, would make a great vampire. Yeah, excellent vampire. She has like Aaliyah vampire vibes too. She really does. Let's talk about time. Man, this is like... I feel like you have a very personal relationship to time right now. I do. Yeah. It's it's changing. And that's okay. Yeah. Um, But this man, this piece we're going to look at, it's like the greatest hits of some of my favorite writers and thinkers. Um... So this covers, so this is from Brain Pickings, uh, and the headline is A New Refutation of Time, Borges on the Most Paradoxical Dimension of Existence. Quote, time is a substance I have made of. Time is a river which sweeps me along, but I am the river. It is a tiger which destroys me, but I am the tiger. It is a fire which consumes me, but I am the fire. Have you read any... Of Jorge Luis Borges's work, I've read some short stories, okay. but I was also recently uh, read a few months ago James Glick's Time mm, Travel, yeah. which is a history of time travel in um, literature and as an idea in society. And was that it was, good? It was fascinating. I loved it. He um, goes through first, kind of like the the advent of time travel as a concept mm-hmm. in literature, which is relatively recent it's yeah. from HG Wells, like within this, uh, the past 100 years. Um, and then time as it is defined in language, as it is defined in space, as it's defined physically, as it's defined, um, in writing and in, uh, kind of like turns mm-hmm. of phrase, um, and then how that has changed our perception of time. Yeah. How, you know, the advent of the clock has changed the way that we think of time as like segmented, right. as something that can be traversed, as something that's kind of like linear, spiral, whatever. Um, and then, uh, of course, like the book was from, I think, a year or two ago. So there is the kind of modern day idea of like the timeline. And oh yeah, time, time, the algorithm, the, the timeline being you know this way that we're experiencing things simultaneously and kind of out of order, but yeah. you know the way that that stretches our sense of time, um, the way that that Whoa. stretches our our ways of thinking about um, how how to go back or forward. Yeah, in in a uh, in in that kind of timeline. Sure, yeah. that's but, interesting. Yeah, I really loved it. Yeah, I've I think I started it. I own it, but I sometimes I have a hard time sticking with nonfiction. Um, I need to get back into it. But yeah, so this piece, um, there's also some thoughts from one of my favorite writers, Gaston Bachelard, who wrote the Poetics of Space. He says, "If our oh, I have that. I haven't read it yet. <laughs> that's a good one. If our heart were large enough to love life in all its detail, we would see that every instant is at once a giver and a plunderer." Mm. I was like, man, that really that's deep. Um, and of course, Einstein and Bergson, who uh, had a debate, uh, Einstein being from the 
sort of scientific physical side of things and Bergson being from the philosophical feelings oriented um, kind of perception of time. Yeah, and I would recommend the book Einstein's Dreams. Oh, I've read that too. Yeah, which is just, uh, I forget the name of the author, Alan Lightman, I think it's yeah. by, who's a physicist, but also a creative also writer. A writer. Yeah, 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 but just uh, posits all of the theory, like what each each world would look like with a different sense of time. Yeah, I, I read that and it was, it was interesting. It was like, it reminded me of um, David Eagleman, who is a neuroscientist and he writes about um, experiences of, so he does time perception studies mm-hmm. And he's also similar to Alan Lightman, is like a fiction writer and has okay. written. Um, so I know him from writing 40 Tales of the Afterlife. Oh, yeah, it's, I've heard of it's that. like a similar kind of thing. Uh-huh. It's like uh, these speculative, um, fantastical, often fantastical, often mundane um, views of what happens to you after you die. Um, but he also has published a lot about like um, the mind as we. I, there's like experiments he does where you can actually slow down time. Whoa. You can slow down someone's time perception. Yeah. Um, That's interesting. What do you yeah. think about the notion that uh, time is just a cognitive illusion rather than an inherent feature of the universe? I think both are true. Mm, how so? Well, I think we definitely have um, an illusional sense of time. Mm-hmm. Um but there's also this measurable sense of time going in one direction mm. in, in this universe. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think that we all live on the same timeline. Like, I always think about that anecdote I learned when I was a kid where, like, certain animals, uh, for certain animals, their experience of time is really quick, and for others, it's really slow. Oh, and right. in particular, whales experience time really slowly, and you can kind of like see that reflected in the sounds they make. It's like really drawn out. Um, and um, animals that live for really short periods of time, they must experience time very differently uh, compared to those who live for a really long period of time. And I think there's even within humans there's like different senses of urgency between different ages different kinds yeah, of people like what kinds true. of lives you live um gives you a different sense of how things are elapsing um but i also you know it is really peculiar that in all instances of the inner uh, the universe as we've observed time moves in one direction yeah it yeah it, it kind of like barrels forward we can't kind of go backwards even though we can move in every direction in the other three dimensions that we generally think of as like yeah places we travel through we travel through one direction in time yeah and sometimes i like i had an experience recently that was like kind of upsetting and brought about this like deep sense of deja vu where i recognized Mm. that it was like clearly a pattern and i had like Mm. I had been in this pattern before and mm-hmm. it sort of like gave the sense of time collapsing mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. of like oh right on like a timeline or the, you know we've talked about like almost time is like this cycle right or like a, a spiral a spiral where I was yeah. like oh right I've been here before this feels really familiar mm-hmm. in a not great way 
but like I, it's like I'm 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 visiting it in both like past, present, and future. You know. Yeah, and that you've um, you have residue of having experienced it before. Yes, that affects the current. It's ex- a very resi- re- it. yeah. residue feeling. So like like yeah, time is a residue. Yeah, it's really fascinating to me. I'm also fascinated with um, how time relates to memory. Yeah, and how. Um, you know, our experience of time has a lot to do with how we experience our own memory or yeah. like the fallibility of it. You know? Yeah. Um, especially when you think of these kind of spirals and residues, right? Yeah. Like the, the fact that like every time you remember something, you rewrite the memory and every time you experience something and kind of refer back to a, a memory of a thing, you're kind of also rewriting and, and collapsing yeah. those things. Yeah. Or that someone said like our, our, our purest memories are the ones we don't even remember. Yeah. Because they haven't been, like, warped by, by time and, and, and experience. Yeah. I find myself having these memories that I probably have formed from stories that yeah. have been told about an experience that I was part of, but that I don't remember in that way. Yeah. And the sort of collective project of memory sometimes. It's true. But like and body time is also strange. Like mm-hmm. time as experienced just through your physical body. Like mm-hmm. there's something about being in my late thirties that I woke up and I was like, How the fuck did I become thirty eight? Like when did that like the t- like just like where it's time. What is yeah. time? How did that like how did much how did that much time elapse? I don't yeah. understand. Um and yeah, it's like a very weirdly it's like a bodily thing as well. Yeah, and now that we experience things in part through screens yeah i think it's um, disorienting the deja vu of just having seen something scroll by your feed but yeah like that was one of my my um prevailing time theories is that a lot of our deja vus come in <laughs> in this day and age just come from scrolling by something and not being able to attribute yeah. it to, to something more concrete that's true. Um, which I think has happened to us. Yeah. Where um, you and I visited uh, an island about a year apart, mm-hmm. um, an, an island in, in Japan yes. about a year apart, and you sending me a picture of like cats on the island and being like, I had a weird deja vu about this. And I was like, I've sent you like the photo that. <laughs> I had taken there, and I was like, "Does this job yeah, your you're like, memory?" I'm like, "Oh yeah." Oh, I was just, I was just there, and yeah. it is sort of like that yeah. is a perfect like time is spiral. Like, it's, where did this residue come from? There's kind of like no placing it. Yeah, you know? so true. Any other time news? Time thoughts? Gosh, I could stay here for a long time. I know. Like, we'll do a whole episode on on time. <laughs> well, the current time is five thirty-eight p.m. <laughs> But I will uh, five thirty-eight, as in the number of seats in the House of Representatives. That's true. <laughs> um, that uh, was a non sequitur that leads nowhere. Okay. <laughs> it's still relevant. Yeah, uh, I'll do another set of snackoscopes. Aries, you might encounter some discord this week, but the thing to remember is that you are half of the friction you experience. Is there a way you can soften your stance, not go into every interaction prepared for battle? You'd be surprised how this can disarm others by disarming yourself first. Trust yourself to be steady and true. Listen to Kate Bush and eat crackers. Taurus, what if you try to look at this week as a gift? What if instead of hiding out, holding on with your eyes closed, you walked out into the groundlessness and let yourself float? 
What if instead of being scared, you let yourself open your eyes and be curious? It might make you cry or it might make you laugh, but you have to feel all the feelings right now. Eat pie and listen to Delta 5. Gemini, this week might feel a little off kilter, like you're trying to breathe underwater or walk in outer space. Rather than fight it, see if you can just get curious about the effects of this on how you move through the world. Things are trying to reveal themselves to you right now, but not in the way you might be expecting. Write down your dreams. Listen to Funkadelic and eat a pear. Writing down your dreams and like uh, kind of um, engaging with your dreams is another way that I think about time being yeah. really, really odd. Um, and I remember uh, reading recently that like the experience of a nightmare is one in which you have both a loss of context and a loss of um a, it's a loss of context and a loss of a kind of rational footing i guess yeah. um very vaguely like dreams nightmares and how that maps exactly to uh scrolling through mm, your feed yeah when something horrible has just happened Ugh, you yeah. know and like the contextual difference between like a really silly meme of a kitten and like a horrible like the yeah. the horrible thing that's happening is sort of like smushed into the same like set of rectangles and you have no kind of like timeline sense of things right. like the rational kind of like yeah. um uh kind of um I'm having a loss of words right oh. now. Uh, yeah, just like the sequential nature. So, so yeah, yeah that the makes sequential sense. nature of things. Yeah. You kind of lose a sense of time in, in this other way. And I was that's like, really, oh, that's, that's really, really true. fascinating. But yeah, tweet at us at Witch Radio if you have any thoughts on time. We're also on Instagram at Witch Radio. We're going to play some more music for you. This is Asha Puthli with I Dig Love. You're listening to Astral Projection Radio Hour on BFF.fm.
You are listening to Astral Projection Radio Hour on BFF.fm, Best Frequencies Forever. You just heard Dinosaur L with number five, Go Bang. Before that was Asha Putli with I Dig Love. We've reached our last set of Snackoscopes for this episode. Cancer, you might be forced to confront your own denial this week, the ways in which your fantasies are running smack into reality. You might resist it, you might not want to give up what you fought so hard to believe in, but the truth is that on timeline, things settle in and take the shape they take, no matter how hard you resist. Eat mixed nuts and listen to Slayer. Leo, this is a good week to think about what you want to squirrel away for the colder months, the relationships you need to tend to, the sweaters you want to wear, the projects you need to nurture. Uh, all fires require oxygen to keep going, so devote yourself to tending to what needs to survive and flourish in the season ahead. Listen to Gloria Estefan and eat Swedish fish. In Virgo, you might feel pretty good this week, but in a weird way that might make you kind of anxious, like you're worried something is about to topple. The truth is that the Wheel of Fortune is always spinning, and you may as well take in the view uh, while the waters are calm rather than fret about what could go wrong. You'll be ready. For now, breathe. Eat tacos and listen to dancing. Um, and next up is the Hanging Garden radio show. We're going to be heading home to our, uh, respective holes and thinking about time. (laughs) Just kind of tunneling into all the ways to to look at time. Um, but we're going to leave you with a song from Frida. It's called I Know There's Something Going On. And we will see you next week. Bye.
Don't you